0: Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And
1: I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to
0: From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, But many people don't know about its thriving arts community.
1: On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence?
0: On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference.
1: From the heart, with a capital A-R-T.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Mary. Hi, Joshua. How are you, my friend?
1: Fantastic. Looking forward to another show of Fringe. I
0: know. This is really, really exciting. Last week, we we talked to three different friend shows, all really, really incredible. The Jurassic Parks, um, Mutnik, and then we actually talked to three different shows in one, mm-hmm. Bushel and Peck, James and Jamesy in the Dark and Thunderfoot. So hopefully yeah. listeners, you got to go and check out one of those. Yes, at
1: least at five of them.
0: Yeah, one of five. Out right? of
1: hundreds of shows. Yeah,
0: br- brilliant, brilliant and fun individuals. Mm-hmm. And it was a pleasure to meet all of them. And today's going to be the exact same way. I
1: love that because it's such labors of love. You can tell their passion project. It
0: truly is. And stories that really come from some neat places. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are true stories. Some of them are stories that are inspired by things that have happened in their in their own personal lives. And so today we're going to dive right in because this is a very, very compelling and moving story we're so excited to dive into it so we have Ingrid Garner from Los Angeles California here today with her show Eleanor's Story an American Girl in Hitler's Germany hello Ingrid hello
2: Ingrid. thank you so much for having me guys
0: absolutely and welcome to Orlando
2: (gasps) this is my first time First excited. time.
0: Very yep. cool. <laughs> and so how did you hear about the Orlando Fringe Festival and how did you get in and all that fun stuff?
2: Yeah. So I've been doing Fringe Festivals since uh, I think 2015. And I'd done the the Canadian circuit and the Australian circuit. And then just last summer I did Edinburgh. But I constantly hear about how great Orlando is. And uh, particularly from um, the people that do the Canadian circuit. It's, you know, just hop, skip and a jump away mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, comparatively. Um, so I've always heard that this is everyone's favorite festival. So I just, I knew I wanted to get in. (laughs) Oh, that's so (laughs) great. Because
1: we, we have grown it from a little baby to where it is now and the oldest in our country. Mm -hmm. And certainly one of the best. And we have people here that brings so much to it from all the talent in our theme parks and it's a fun place to be. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and we love it because we have such a a plethora of talent here in the Central Florida community because of our theme park industry, but they don't always get to create and do the things that they love to do and be the people they wanna be on stage. So it's really a neat moment for local, but then we get all these wonderful people that come from outside of our state or from even outside of our country like you, which is really fantastic. So tell us all about Eleanor's story.
2: So this, this show is b- adapted from my grandmother's memoir of the same title, Eleanor's Story, An American Girl in Hitler's Germany, and it's about her experience growing up as an American child in Nazi Berlin for the entirety of World War II and how she managed to survive that. How did that happen that she grew up there? So she, um, at, at nine years old, her she was a child, she and her brother were children of German immigrant parents, so mm. they, were, they were American citizens, born and raised, um, but they were suffering a lot during the Great Depression. They were very poor. Um, So when her father, we know now that Hitler was sending letters back to former uh, German citizens and saying, we'll give you a good government job if you come over. So he felt like that was an unmissable opportunity. They were going to give him an apartment and a job and four German marks on the dollar. So they packed up and left on August 28, 1939. And three days into the voyage, Hitler declared war on Poland. And by the time they arrived in Germany, they couldn't return for various reasons, so they were stuck, sort of, in the epicenter of the war in Berlin, Germany. Wow, <laughs> I don't, I think I missed
0: it. that part of yeah. Yeah. history, Mary. So, so uh, Hitler would send basically court uh, German uh, citizens who had moved to other yeah. countries to come back and be a part of Germany again, and that's how the 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 voyage
1: happened.
2: Yeah, and yeah. he promised them jobs. Was that a yeah, we know this now. I, this is some stuff that we've kind of discovered later in my grandmother's life, like things like um, we always thought that my my grandmother's youngest brother was an accident because they were Catholic during the war. And why would you have a baby during the war? But now we know it's actually because Hitler was giving women ultimatum, have a baby for the Reich or go work in the factories. So oh, my wow. goodness. There's all these things that were. I didn't post- know that. Did you know
0: that? No. Incredible.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. So.
0: <laughs> Did Were you like, were you having these kind of gasping moments as you were uncovering some of these truths about your family?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and stuff's come out just since I started doing it in 20, when they made it in 2014, I, that stuff I didn't know. So it's, um, maybe part of it's, you know, just being old enough that my family feels comfortable sharing <laughs> some of these more adult things with me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a fascinating journey just even from the be- its impetus.
1: So continue from where you left off. Y- you talked about how, well, obviously she had to have another child, but
2: you're with your. F- where where did you leave off a moment ago? You said that she was. So she was nine. So her when I when I talked about the baby, that was her her mother. Her okay, having her got it, got it. Got it. Thank you, brother. But um, yeah. So she the the story follows her from nine to sixteen, um, going through her coming of age, and it's kind of strange because she's going through all these, um. Uh, landmarks of of uh of puberty experience mm. that are normally very comedic and and kind of kind of serve as comedic moments in the show um and it's something that every young girl goes through but the backdrop is a world war and how that affects um that growth is very is very interesting and and sometimes can serve as like lighter moments in the show and I'm, I'm, I was very careful to put in as many light moments as I could because of course there are some very disturbing and troubling um, things that, that happened that she experienced, particularly in um, uh, during the Russian o- uh, occupancy right after the war.
0: Wow. And so how old did your grandmother live to be?
2: She's actually still alive. Wow. Cool. How old is she? Uh, on May 30th, she'll be 88. She's, nice. She's actually the same age as Anne Frank, so she was born in 1930. Wow. So, yeah. That's, that's is she so
0: proud about. of your show?
2: Yes. She, lo- she loves watching it, and, and she's seen it a few times. She lives in San Diego, so mm-hmm. when I bring it to the San Diego Fringe, she gets. I get to have that moment at the end of the show where I say, "And here she's here tonight," and everyone just is bawling. Oh, of <laughs> course! Oh, my goodness! Um, but yeah, what, she loves. She feels honored by it. What does she get asked the most? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know that what she gets asked the most. Well, how about you? Uh, I, I get asked a lot about, huh? Um, well, if she's still alive and what happened to her. <laughs> there you me go. Too. I, I helped you with that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she. Um, I think people are very interested in what happened to her after the war, which is why i I eventually wrote this the sequel and premiered it this year because people are so interested on how did Americans treat her when she came back and and what how and, did they treat her well she I think people people were very polite to her, but she it's kind of like what soldiers experience when they come back from the war, this kind of isolation of no one knows what they went through, and everything seems very frivolous and and they're they're just trying to move on with their life, but things uh in in this, this safe life in America, are triggering PTSD, and I and mm-hmm. I use that as a thematic device in the new show. You know, she'll hear a, a fire siren, and she think you know immediately flashes back to mm-hmm. air raid sirens and cars backfiring. She thinks is artillery fire. So, yeah. Did she lose any family or friends over there? Incredibly, she didn't lose any family. Um, and in fact, had two more siblings. They were a family of six by the end. Um, and the youngest, Elizabeth, was an accident. But the first one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they're actually all four children are still alive today, um, and have seen the show now. Um, but she did. She did see some some friends die of all sorts of things. I mean, horrible horrible things. I mean, being shot to death or um, and and I talk about it a little bit in the show. I don't want to go too much away. But yeah, it's. Um, Yeah, she saw horrible things, things that a child should never have to to see or witness or feel.
0: And you said she lived in Berlin, Mm -hmm. and so did she live in in a home with her family? Like, where in the city was she?
2: They lived, um, for the most part, and in the show I don't really talk about when they evacuated to other Mm. cities just for safety, but so it it all centers around most of their time spent in Berlin. Um, But they lived in an apartment house that's still standing today. You can go visit it. Mm. Um, And incredibly yeah it was the only one in the area that survived the bombings just there's so many like lucky things that allowed them to survive um so it and that was the apartment that was given to them by the the german government for that job
1: mm. how does she feel it changed her having grown up through that
2: oh i mean for for most of her life she was she suffered, you know, she she had PTSD for a very long time and she didn't want to, she didn't talk about this experience for many years. And it wasn't, she tells me it wasn't until she wrote this book when she was about 70 and it was published in 1999 that she felt um, that she was able to give a voice to that, that inner child that was still suffering. She called it, she described it as like the child that was trapped, like was imprisoned in her memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she wrote the book, she felt like the child was able to take place in her heart and they were one peaceful being. <laughs> wow. So, so I yeah. can
0: only imagine uh, as an audience member watching this, that there are moments that are moving. There are moments that are scary. There are moments where you're on the edge wanting yeah. to know what's going to happen. How do you prepare over and over and over again to tell <laughs> this story and it still be fresh and moving and not become stale because you're telling this the same story over and over?
2: Yeah, that's a- that's a great question, and I, I don't consider myself a method actor. I don't brood around before the show and after the show. In fact, I always go out and greet the audience. I think it's important they know I'm okay, and this you know, happened a while, a yeah. while ago. <laughs> but um, I definitely take a moment before, and I'll think about a story that maybe I don't tell all the time in the show, like a story from the book that I'm not used to hearing, and that mm. kind of will put me there. And, and occasionally, someone in the audience will have a very vocal reaction to something like a gasp, and that puts me back and it reminds me oh my god like this happened to my grandmother and I forget every show that this little girl grew up to be my snow white magical grandmother who trains blue jays to eat (laughs) peanuts that's really cool and
0: have you ever had anybody uh, come up after the show and share similar experiences with you or say I actually lived through those same kind of things and
2: yeah, it's uh, I get that a lot. I get a lot of war survivors, particularly when I go to Australia and the UK. Oh sure. Um, there's a lot of post-war immigrants in Australia, but also uh, many English people say like I I went through this exact these exact same things during the same war, the same war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and also uh, occasionally I'll get, you know, they won't they won't say where they come from, but I can tell that it because it's a younger person, like mm. someone my age, that it's from a recent sure um, embattled area, and they'll say. Some it's usually sometimes they can't like completely articulate it, but they'll say something cryptic like, "Thank you for sharing my story." Mm. Wow, mock off. But um, yeah, it that's the most intense part I'd say about doing this show is just is is getting people's experiences, and of course I'm happy to hear them, and and I think for it's for many of them it's the first time they felt validated that is, someone is there a share that someone had with you after a show that sticks out in your mind as one you'll always remember. Oh. <laughs> I mean there's a few there's a few that weren't even related to the like I just people just share a really dark Mm. secret with me or really scary just because they feel so overwhelmed and sometimes people will just that I don't know will fling their arms around me and kiss my cheeks and say thank you thank you and yeah theater tends to open up doors
0: of conversation like that and make people feel safe to be able to to talk about things yeah so you've really only done the show in the fringe circuit but it seems like this would also be really great for like Holocaust museums or yeah. and school, the, and, and school tours. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like that would be I know I, I know our Holocaust Center very well here. Mm-hmm. And that seems like something that that, that mm-hmm. leadership would just love to bring to, to their audiences.
2: I would love that. I think it, the challenge with schools is just schools in America have so little budget for mm-hmm. these kinds of things. But I would love to get involved. I mean, that was kind of like ideally what would happen. My grandmother wrote the book as a young adult book to be taught uh, in high schools.
0: Awesome. Well, tell us about the venue and the days and times that we have left to come see the show, because this is definitely one, listeners, that you're not going to want to miss.
2: All right. So my my opening night's tonight at 7 o'clock, and I'm in the gold venue at the Orlando Museum of Art. Well, when you say tonight, Uh, we should... uh, Oh, sorry. transparent here. Okay. (laughs) May 17th. Thursday, May 17th uh, at 7 p.m., which I guess you might miss if you're a listener. Um, Saturday, May 19th at 4.30 p.m., Sunday, May 20th at 8 p.m., Monday, May 21st at 7.30 p.m., Thursday, May 24th at 6.45 p.m., Saturday, May 26th at 4.45 p.m., and finally Sunday, May 27th at 1.30 p.m.
0: Awesome. And what venue are you in?
2: The Gold Venue Orlando Museum of Art.
1: Oh, very cool. And all of that, listeners, is on Mm OrlandoFringe.org. Just look up Eleanor's story and all the times are right there as well.
0: Right. This is so cool, Ingrid. (laughs) What an incredible way to honor your grandmother and to really tell... A story that's that's extremely compelling and moving. So we wish you the very best of luck. Break a leg in all these shows here in Orlando. And hopefully you'll come back again.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. See
2: you soon.
0: Awesome. Mary, well we'll another another great
2: story. I know. I know. (laughs)
0: Listeners. Magic one oh seven point seven FM from the heart.
1: Welcome back to From the Heart, where myself, Mary Thompson-Hunt, is here with my co-host, Joshua Vickery. And today is a show all about the Fringe Festival. We are very excited to bring to you right now the creator and star of an excruciatingly ordinary toy theater story. It is Zach Dorn. Zach Hello.
3: Hi. No one's ever called me a star before. <laughs> even even like he's just the star of the show. This is the first time I've ever heard that. Well, well you are the star of the show, Sitting here shining in front of us. Wow, that's, real, that's
0: really exciting. <laughs> and I love that on your promo materials it says a new puppet spectacle by Zach Dorn. I love that. Oh, thank you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about
3: an excruciatingly ordinary
0: toy theater show.
3: Sure. Well, um, let's see. So for the last six years, I've taken my... Uh, my my life like sort of like these really boring stories from my life and i've i've i wrote them down in little journals and then i turned every single day into tiny miniature puppet shows uh and so people will show up and i'm going to perform some of those puppet shows for them from my my rather ordinary life
1: can you you give us an example of one of your puppet shows okay
3: yes of course and since we're on air and this is a radio show i i would be really excited to because i'm trying to get this the security deposit back from a landlord Uh, he owes me $825 for an apartment I rented in, in Astoria, Queens. Um, and I won't say his name, but he knows who he is. Because um,
1: well, I'm sure he's listening.
3: I'm sure he's listening. He can listen on the iHeart app. You he never can know. listen on the iHeart app. Absolutely. So if you're listening, Astoria, Queens, Ditmar's Boulevard, 2104, um, you owe me $825. It's been six years. I'm still waiting. And so I've been creating this show and trying uh, to sort of get his attention and get this money back. I really do need it.
1: I think we know what the show is about now.
3: Yeah. I do. Yeah.
0: I think there might be a
3: tad of bitterness <laughs> <laughs> thrown into no, this. No, I, I, I'll just be honest with you. There's a lot more than a tad in the show. Uh, so don't give all of them away. Okay, but right. maybe well, what
0: are some of the really ordinary moments that we might see in the show?
3: Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I there's one. You know, I I have a condition, not a condition. It's a phobia where I don't like to take my shirt off.
1: Is there so a name I, to it?
3: There, I don't know. Actually, I, I I would love to find out if there is. Like ever, or just in front of people? I think ever. <laughs> I really do think it might be so ever. So the shirt you're wearing today has been on for a while. Weeks, weeks, and weeks, and weeks. And if I do take it off, I have to close my eyes. It's a whole process. I blindfold myself. I close the door. I turn off all the lights. I close the blinds. Everything. It's that doesn't sound very ordinary, Zach. No, I can't.
1: Some artists, they go there. Uh,
0: what other, what other moments might oh, we goodness.
3: see? Oh um, goodness. I well, I talk a lot. I'm I'm a little bit celebrity obsessed, so I do talk a lot about celebrities. So there's Wh- a cambi- who are some that you're obsessed s- with? Surrey Cruise. Chloe Savani, Britney Spears. Um, who else is in this? Well, the Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. That's a little old school. Oh, yeah. It's, it goes old school and new school. It's everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so mm-hmm. how do you, these different puppets, yeah. do you create
0: the puppets yourself? Oh, or?
3: yes. And they all created myself. But something I, I should mention, it's not like Muppets or Avenue Q or, um, or hand puppets or marionettes. All my puppets are toy theater, so they're two-dimensional illustrations that I cut out and then I perform with a video camera. And that video camera kind of goes inside of miniature dioramas that I've hand-painted and hand-illustrated, and the video camera live projects to the audience. So the audience has sort of sucked inside of my miniature worlds. And so, they're
1: watching it on a screen?
3: They're watching it on a screen, and they're also watching me moving the camera around as well.
1: Oh, so it's almost like 3D.
3: It's, yeah, yeah, it's more than 3D. But are it's you creating, 4D. it is
0: 4D, but are you creating the voices of the puppets while you're maneuvering the camera? Yeah,
3: yeah, I also narrate. <laughs> you know, how many, I, I'm How doing many a lot voices? Of narrating. I You know, I'm not a voice guy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. A, I mean, like, it's really just me sort of neurotically going through the journals and then showing different puppets. But you
1: have different personalities of the puppets.
3: <sighs> I mean look if you i I'm if you're looking for a person if you're looking I'm not Jeff Dunham. Like like this is not no, that kind of I show. know, I know you're yeah, not. He okay.
1: he changes his shirts. Yeah, he
3: does change shirts. That's true. He doesn't have that phobia. He doesn't have the phobia.
0: But do we meet other puppets besides you <laughs> these stories? Or is it just kind of a story of one? It's kind of a story of one.
3: I mean you meet my landlord. You meet the landlord who owes oh. me $125. Oh. Uh, there's a character named Mean Ghost. This is a guy who follows me around. Mean Ghost? Yeah, Mean Ghost. G-H-O-U. Yes, it's a little spooky. How do you spell ghost? G-H-O-S-T. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mean Ghost is one of the characters. Um, So a lonely puppeteer stalks mm -hmm. the child
0: of two notorious celebrities. A three-foot ghost plagues an eight-year-old boy's fragile psyche and an opera singing landlord refuses to return a security deposit. Yeah. You left out the fact that he was an opera singing landlord.
3: Yeah, he is opera singing landlord, which is a ter- if anyone's ever lived with an opera singer, they- it's awful because in the mornings when they take showers, it's oh. the most horrendous it's loud. sound. It's loud. You know. Yes.
1: How do you know? Well, because opera singers sing loud. Yeah, it's
0: really loud. Mm. Mary's actually an opera singer. You probably offended her. That's all right. She yeah. knows. No, you know what I'm
2: talking
3: about. Loud. Yeah, you know.
0: That's awesome. So what gave you this idea. I mean, you said you had these journal entries yeah. and we were creating these moments. But what gave you the idea to translate that into puppetry?
3: Well, it just kind—I'm—I'm of, I'm a puppeteer, but I'm not very good at it. So <laughs> I thought this was a perfect opportunity. You know, sell the show, <laughs> won't it? I—I I can't build puppets. You know, I went to puppet school actually, and it was very difficult for me because I was awful at building puppets. <laughs> it was not what I was good at, but I was okay at telling stories. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of what happened. Is I just found this way of telling stories with puppets. I'm—I'm I'm not an actor, so what I got—I need something so, to hang on to.
1: Telling stories talk about that what do you why do you like to tell stories and um, why do you use puppets
3: i'm really neurotic and it's just a way of sort of like working through these neuroses and trying to figure out the world around me you know i grew up with dollhouses i was like a dollhouse like very interested in dollhouses as a kid mm. it, to my dad's horror every christmas <laughs> i would say what do you want for christmas what do you want for christmas and i would say a dollhouse and it was just he would get inferior just angry very yeah. Infuriated, yeah, but did you want the
0: dollhouse because you you were able to kind of look in that allows you to peer exactly. into rooms and exactly. lives of people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: like it was a whole life. Your imagination could come into life in each yeah. room. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. I wasn't
3: into the into the dolls. It was like this idea of rooms mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. really fascinating to me. So I had multiple dollhouses and and all this. I was I loved the furniture and I just loved all of that. Well, you
0: must be pretty. You must have gotten better at your puppetry because you won the outstanding puppet show at the San Diego Fringe. Yes, and it was. Your very first friend show, yes, wow! And Orlando yeah. is your is your third stop. You it's went my to Tampa. third stop. I
3: just went to Tampa, yeah, um, and now I'm in Orlando. Very cool. Yeah.
0: And w- are you excited about Orlando? Yes. Have you
3: heard good things? Yes. What- Yes, everyone keeps talking about Orlando. Everywhere I go, even <laughs> if even if it's not a fringe festival, people mention the Orlando Fringe Festival. <laughs> everywhere, that's, that's really yeah. I good got my fir- I got my first manicure in in um in St. Louis, and then someone mentioned the Orlando Fringe Festival. Wow, that's crazy. And Michael and
0: Alana would be happy to hear that. Yeah,
3: everywhere. Oh. And, and where are you from? I'm I'm from. I grew up in Tampa. Okay, and, yeah, but, but I live where in I live in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. What brought you there? Oh, it's... uh, I've been to Pittsburgh. I'm just curious because you're so artistic and creative, and I think of that as a more industrial area.
3: No, it's a cool city. It's up and coming. There's a lot of support for the arts. Um, I've been able to sort of live as an artist in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of funding for the arts in Pittsburgh. It's a cool city. Nice. And so do you make your living as an actor? Mm, Not as an actor. Certainly no. do Puppets and animation. Um, Yeah. Very cool. You do parties? I I have done parties absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Imagine that's a good way of no seriously no absolutely (laughs) it's a great thing. Why are you looking at Tom? I actually have done because Tom laughed at the question, but you can make good money doing parties. Tom, our producer
0: is over there cackling (laughs) because at Mary,
3: I've I've done weddings (laughs) with your puppets. Yes, it's it's totally inappropriate for a wedding, but people ask me to do weddings. About funerals. Um, a funeral might be more more. more if he had said
1: yes, I'd be so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> He'd like to do I his landlords.
3: It. Oh, I have done Starbucks bathrooms. That's like my thing. Oh, that sounds normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of live streaming puppet shows as well with webcams. Yeah? Yeah.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. So- why should people come and see this show?
3: Because they're never going to see anything else like it. I promise. Okay, and I and I also do a money back guarantee. If you don't like it, come up to me. I'll give you cash out of my pocket. I don't make any money as a puppeteer. I'm poor. I'm struggling.
1: Because you're com- giving money back?
3: No, no, oh. no, 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 no. I am just <laughs> reminding you. Liked the show, yeah. <laughs> but before you ask for the money back, <laughs> before you ask for the money back, then just remember that that I I'm very oh, you know it's it's yeah. a good cause, but I'll still give the money back. If I you don't can't
1: like the imagine show. you not being entertaining. Like right yeah, now, agreed. I am totally loving agreed. you. I've got to be honest. Oh, good. your energy is so infusing and infusing and uh, in. it's, it's just fun
3: yeah oh.
0: i i would totally listen to 60 minutes of you just telling stories so forget the puppetry and the oh, cameras good. like i think that's a, at a bonus but i think the uh the storytelling you said it uh, you were good at telling stories oh, thank and, you, I, Josh. and i and i agree with that mm-hmm. don't you Mary?
1: oh i do uh, when you tell a story what, what are some of the things that you think are most important
3: oh boy um oh okay i think i'm v- vulnerability you know, I'm not, I'm, and being very, like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm all, and I'm very self-critical, but I like to d- deal with that in my stories. It helps.
4: Mm. Yeah.
0: Nice. How many different stories do you tell in your show?
3: Oh, I think in this show there's about eight. Okay. Um, But I probably, and all my puppet, I have about maybe 25 or 30 different puppet shows that are all tiny stories. Do
1: you sometimes change your mind at the last yes. minute going, oh, they're liking this. I'm going to tell this story instead. Yes. Yes. Mm. I do that
3: frequently. And mm-hmm. how
0: many stories are in the journal total?
3: Um... For the sake of this performance, <laughs> 2100. 2100. Wow. Ooh, that
0: doesn't sound like a very normal life. No, it That's, doesn't. Uh, <laughs> sounds
1: it, like does an ex- anyone ever want to buy any of your puppets?
3: Um, oh. mm-hmm. Do you
1: ever sell them? I, no. Have you ever been asked to I
3: make do them? I do a lot of music videos. So I do animation as well. So, I, you know, I, a lot of people ask me to do music videos. So I do some music videos. Well, for some plug folks. your
1: website or your oh, YouTube sure. station. It's
3: ZachDorn.com Z A C H D O R N.com. Yeah. And is that where we can find out information about this show as you well? You can find out information about the show. You can find out, I have a, a blog about ritual Japanese puppetry. And oh. I uh, also talk about uh, my, my, my cartoons on there.
1: Is there a name for Japanese puppetry?
3: Well, not really. I mean, a lot of people associate Japanese puppetry with Bunraku, but there's a lot of other forms. And so, like, I've done research in terms of, like, what are the other forms of Japanese puppetry outside of Bunraku?
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. So the shows are actually on May 23rd at 7.30, May 25th at 6 p.m., May 26th at 3 p.m., and May 27th at 1.30 p.m. And it is at the venue so the venue is awesome. Blue stars. Uh, Ivanhoe is it? It's an uh, Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe in Orange. And or Orange. Virginia. Oh, no, Virginia. 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 Um, but yeah, go check out this show at the venue. And um, it, Theater Jones says, low-tech theatrical magic with jaw-dropping admiration. What a cool review that well, is. Well,
1: I can imagine being in a theater with you and your energy filling it, and then being very entertained. Yeah, absolutely. please come. We Mary, need to go, come. Mary. Yeah, please know, come. This should. is
0: very different and very unique. You and want very ticket? Special. I'll give you
1: free tickets. Oh, free tickets! We love free tickets. <laughs> I'll give you whatever you well, want. But then what if we want our money but back? You're, but oh, that's you're, that's star- but be you're starving. <laughs> that's are terrible.
0: So we right. have to give you something for sure. <laughs> so friends, please go check out an excruciatingly ordinary toy theater show. I think Zach is right. You're not going to see anything else like this at the Friends Show it's special. And one of a kind and truly a spectacle that he's created You're and here. just go listen to the stories thank you and hopefully through uh your french circuit you'll be able to find that la- that opera singing and get that money back good luck yeah, thank you <laughs> luck. zach it was an absolute pleasure thank, thank you. you thanks for joining us mary oh how cool
1: and we still have one more Yes, we have one oh, more
0: so join us back here listeners on magic 107.7 fm from the heart
1: Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. And this show is dedicated to all things fringe. We're here with our final segment and our final show. It's gone by so quickly. It
0: has, but it's been so wonderful. Loving and this it. year, thank- thankful to Michael Marinaccio and Alana Frisket's who introducing us to national international shows, because mm-hmm. last year we were very local-focused. We did.
1: We put it out there, and we just went by who came first. But they are taking a cross-section of everything you can expect to see at the Fringe.
0: Absolutely. And it's really opening our eyes to how much creativity is really out there. It's mm-hmm. been fantastic. So we are ending with a bang, our finale of our Fringe shows, with Erica Kate McDonald and Paul Strickland from Theater Mobile with their show, Thirteen Dead Dreams of Eugene. Welcome you two.
1: Thanks so much. Where Yay. X-Files meets the Twilight Zone in the dark. That sounds it. intriguing. It sounds very
0: scary, Mary. What does this mean? I saw the Stephen King parody musical last night. It's not going to be anything like that, is it?
4: <laughs> it? It is. It is definitely nothing like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Erica,
0: Kate, Erica is Erica Kate or Erica? Uh, both are fine. Okay, Erica, tell us a little bit about this show.
5: Well, uh, so this show, uh, we're saying it's kind of a creepy series of nightmares that we're putting live on stage. It's based on a true story, uh, but then we're bringing it to life. So the whole show happens in the dark, and uh, it's just the two of us performing mostly with flashlights, some shadow puppets, and then a lot of kind of large-scale, full-body shadow puppetry that happens in front of and behind the screen. That's awesome. Before
1: you tell us about the play, will Mm -hmm. you tell us the true story?
5: I'd love to give that to Paul. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so
4: uh, in 1929, there was a dead body that was found uh, in a ditch just off the 3C Highway uh, uh, in Sabina, Ohio. And they found the body and they brought it to the Littleton Funeral Home and they had it embalmed, which was a common thing back in the 20s and 30s. Uh, there was no internet, and mm-hmm. so it was you couldn't easily search for someone's identity. A
1: male or female?
4: It was a male. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they embalmed the body, left it on display, hoping people would come by and go, oh, that's my uncle. That's so sad, right? That's, that was mm-hmm. the common thing. Well, what happened was no one came by, except actually one person came by and then left, having not identified it, but seemed to know who the body was. Mm-hmm. Wow. That person was never seen again. Now, and this is all factual. You look this up. You can just Google Sabina, Ohio, Eugene. This is all <laughs> okay. in the okay. <laughs> So then what happened was uh, police went down to the in the jacket pocket of the deceased man's jacket was uh, a, an address. 118 Yale Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio. The police went to that address. It was a vacant lot. Hmm. But the man living next to that lot was named Eugene Johnson. So then the police just named the body. They just dubbed the body Eugene. The and body was then left on display for 35 years.
1: And when you're embalmed, you stay that kind of fresh for 35 <laughs> years? So we had a- no idea either, but it,
5: apparently the regular method of embalming was used. Wow. Mm-hmm. And
4: so, yeah. And uh, so uh, we were starting work on the show. And the backstory about how we got, how we discovered this, we can get into that as well. But we were starting work on the show, and I messaged a friend of mine just randomly. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, actually, we're working on this new shadow show and it's really but and it's uh, about this dead body that was left on And she goes, Oh, that sounds like that Eugene guy that my dad got locked in the room with whenever what? he was a kid. Uh-huh. Oh. What? Yeah. So my friend Lauren like <laughs> sent us pictures of uh-uh. this body from <laughs> angles that that are nowhere. You cannot find these pictures. And also, a p- her grandfather was his one of his jobs at the Littleton Funeral Home was to change Eugene's suit once a year.
1: Oh, once a year. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Mm-hmm.
0: So these nightmares now that come that you guys bring to life, are these people who somehow intersected with Eugene after he passed?
5: Yes. Well, so many people intersected with Eugene after he passed. And uh-huh. and obviously we don't know anything about his life, uh his actual life, right? No one ever found out? No one ever found out. Is he still there? He was buried in nineteen sixty four. A uh, very quiet funeral, fun mm-hmm. morning. Um, we are not sure exactly why that decision was made but after there, 35 years, but... There
4: was some tampering that had happened. I mean, some people had stolen some fingernails and, yep. uh, and then the body was actually stolen and taken to a frat party at Ohio University
1: i am not laughing I, <laughs> no it's not funny it's not funny
0: i mean it's, it's terrifying funny. it's awful it's and so like then, uncomfortable scary funny exactly. like s-
4: so that so as soon as the body was found and returned from that frat house is like like three days later they buried the body
0: oh. yeah because they didn't probably want you that just to happen can't, again yeah so yeah. but through this show you guys uh, share nightmares or stories of people in that city that had to do with eugene
5: So actually, the way the, the, so we call them dead dreams, uh, it's basically these shared recurring nightmares that residents of the town had during the period when Eugene
1: was not yet buried. And who who went and got these memories and recorded them?
4: So yeah, that's an interesting question, right? Like, um, you know, the like the Mothman prophecy, right? Like that idea of like you talk to people and they have like legit stories of their grandpa wrecking his truck Trying to not hit this giant moth in the middle of the road, right? <laughs> but go look that up on the internet. You're going to find none of it. Mm. Because people don't want to claim that stuff yes. out loud. Mm-hmm. Yes, People in Sabina, Ohio talk about these dead dreams. And, and, of course, it stopped in 1964 when the body was buried. Wow. wow. So the accounts that we have are just oral accounts that have been passed down for two generations.
1: And they've been recorded. Uh, They they
4: have been written down. um, But, you know, like by whom and and how accurate is that? And of course, they're all dreams, but they are simultaneous recurring dreams. So Mm -hmm. many people in the city were having these dreams. At the same time,
1: collective consciousness at night, they go to sleep and they're sharing this vision. That's
4: exactly right.
0: Wow. And how did you guys do your research on this? Like, did you actually sit down and interview people? We
5: went to the Sabina Historical Society.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm.
5: (laughs) How cool.
4: Yeah. And then we and and we just, uh, you know, did as much research as we could into, you know, trying to talk to some people about like the recurring nature of this. And also, uh, I mean, we were very lucky. Roger Littleton uh, of the Littleton Funeral Home, the grandson of the man who put the body on display, came to our show with his whole family. (gasps)
1: Really? What what was it like for them?
4: They actually really seemed
1: to
0: enjoy it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Did they come up and say, "Yeah, that's true," and I we mean, get it? And, yeah,
4: uh, and and Roger actually told us the story of locking our friend Lauren's dad into the house, like into the funeral home with wow. Eugene oh, when I they miss. were kids, like when they were like nine, like as oh. a prank, and yeah. they still have nightmares out. today.
0: You're right, you're right. <laughs> sure. wow. So, are they? Is Eugene? Fa- is uh, Sabina famous for this? Like, do you go there and there's like a marker that says "Home of the Eugene Dreams" or like, or is it something that's not really talked about
4: anymore? The dreams are definitely... Definitely not talked about. Uh, mm. Eugene is a bit of a hmm, it's a bit of a complicated legacy for mm-hmm. the town because I think if we face the facts, 1964 was when the body was buried. It was at the height of the civil rights movement, mm. and uh, Eugene, in quotes, was an African American man.
0: Got it.
4: Okay. So the fact is the body was left on display for mostly white people to look at. Mm. And I think, it, I mean, it was thankfully and probably they a town
1: it. in a time when a lot of black people didn't come through there, oh, even if it was just. To look I think body. it's very true. I think it's
4: wow. very true. So there's
0: a lot of twists and turns and stories that mm-hmm. are kind of intersecting in what you guys are
4: presenting.
1: I want to know something. Since you've been working on this, have you had any dreams? Mm, ah.
4: Good question. Mm. <laughs> Good question.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a hard one to answer. That is a very
4: hard one to answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I would say yes. I think, I mean, the thing is you experience the dreams in different ways, right? Like I think that that's that's how it works. And I think that the nature of uh, A, this kind of show that is largely visual and the fact that we rehearse it entirely in the dark. Mm. uh, So the lights are out for an hour while we're doing the show. Really? Yeah. So, uh, so you tell me if you think we can differentiate what was actually a dream and what we actually did on stage mm. yeah. because I've lost track, wow. <laughs> which I also think is the case with many of the people of Sabina. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that all of these accounts of these dreams are true. Mm-hmm. I, I think people get together and tell each other stories and then later right. they then they recount those stories as if they were their own right i think but, that's a very common thing and
0: it kind of s- similar maybe like to the salem witch trials and stuff like things can t- get you know get sensationalized as they're mm-hmm. told and, and it, you know yeah
1: and a compilation of a few stories become one yeah
0: did mm-hmm. you find any reoccurring themes in these dreams like they were reoccurring dreams but were there certain themes that people were saying
4: should I take this one as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think, uh, so I, I think what's interesting about the dreams for, for me is that uh, so many of the dreams contain one element of something that we absolutely can factually point at that occurred to Eugene, to the, excuse me, to the body. Which mm-hmm. was what? Uh, for example, like people stealing the fingernails. Mm-hmm. There is one of the dreams that is about mm-hmm. people uh, like this sort of dystopian society where people were using the fingernails that they'd pulled off for uh for currency. Wow. That's like in one of the dreams. Or um or like the jacket, for example. Eugene had a jacket on again quotes Eugene uh and that was found that had the 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 address in it. Uh there are two different of these sort of you know canonical 12 13 dreams that were uh that involve a jacket in a creepy way, one of which, like, you put on a jacket and you're frozen still until someone takes the jacket off of you. Do, wow. do we
1: know that if, you said you didn't know how he died, it just made me think because of the time and where it took place, if there was some kind of foul play. Uh, uh, all that we've been able to find is the official
5: report says natural causes. Uh, and I don't know how much they investigated.
4: The official report also says that Eugene was between fifty and eighty years old. Oh, so, yeah. so you don't know how much
0: the truth there is to. I so what made you guys do this? Like, what? what? <laughs> you don't just wake up one day and go, "Let's go research Eugene," right? Like, what? No. How did this happen? <laughs> yeah.
4: And again, I encourage you, like, Google Sabina, Ohio, Eugene. Oh, we're going you're to. You're going as soon to as find. <laughs> you know, there's there, yeah. You're going to find everything I'm saying like somewhere. Yeah. Um. We were driving through uh, Ohio, and there is a thrift. I'm a person who collects uh, memories and pictures of very odd things. I just like thrift shops and and junk stores and things of that nature. So there is a a table with uh, 12 chickens, taxidermy chickens, doing the uh, Lord's Supper, right? Like the Mm. Last Supper. Of course. And I was very excited to see that. (laughs) And so I called, and it was closed for the season. Mm. So I was in a very grumpy mood. Erica is a wonderful partner and was like, hey, I found this amazing other thing about this, Eugene, do you know anything about this? We didn't know anything about it. So then we started doing our research and uh, submitted to the Twin City Horror Festival with this idea and we were an official selection of the Twin City Horror Festival. So we premiered the play there in Minneapolis.
0: That's, and how did, what was the process like of putting these, how did you pick the 13 that you wanted to do and 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 how did you decide which ones needed full body and you know how what was that process like the creative process Well
5: Paul um sort of led the way with the writing of the script and then um and then we brought it into the rehearsal room we were excited about shadow puppetry already but wanted to kind of see all right how creepy can we get what's possible um so there was a lot of kind of back and forth between the writing, and then all right, let's stage this. let's see what visual effects really work, and then let's kind of recraft it to highlight those. Mm. Um, so yes, a lot of time spent in the dark, so <laughs> a
0: lot of great storytelling, but so many cool different effects in this in this play as well. Yeah, yeah. so is this for kids? I would
5: not recommend it for kids only because I don't want to be responsible. <laughs> For uh,
1: their, the, dreams. Exactly. their dreams. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, their dreams. Adults get... can fend from themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: a, you know what? It's a perfect fringe show. It's a perfect fringe show for so many reasons. Thank you for bringing it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. thank you. And so it's uh, the next, you have
0: four more shows happening Wednesday, May 23rd at 1045, Thursday, May 24th at 715, Friday, May 25th at 530, and Sunday, May 27th at 445. And what venue are you guys in?
5: We're in the pink venue in the Shakespeare Center.
0: In the Shakespeare oh, Center. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So tell us, Erica, what? It, why should people come and see this show?
5: I think you should come. Uh, it's it's going to be very different from anything else you'll see at the Fringe. Mm. It, it's got a, a quietness and a creepiness that kind of grows on you it's it's an experience that you just get to kind of walk in sit back and let it happen Mm. and uh i i think it's i'm curious to see how people will will respond
0: i think they're going to respond great we already have (laughs) (laughs) it was a pleasure to meet both you guys welcome back to orlando and thank you for being on the show thank Thank you you. go and check it out 13 dead dreams of eugene at the pink venue tell
1: erica and paul we said hello yes mary this has been been wonderful let's go see some of these together we
0: have to and friends go out and go support independent arts and visit their land of friends you will love it 114 different shows this year incredible listeners join us back next week on from the heart magic 107.7 fm